Hello everybody out there and welcome to another episode of the Talk That Talk Show with me, Barry Holmes. We are here for the 149th episode of the episode of the Talk That Talk Show. Guys, I, I can't believe it, man. We're literally one away from 150. Um, I was looking back at some of the old episodes and, you know, to see the depth of where this, you know, podcast has come from and to the amount of people that continue to ask me. I had somebody at the bowling alley the other day that was like, man, you guys have your own cards, like playing cards? And, you know, it's that full embracement of just self-investment and, and branding that's really made this talk that talk show where it's at, man. Shout out to Brian Bloom on our Facebook Live. Shout out to Admiral on our Instagram live stream as well, too. But, you know, the fact that people are just so proud to continuously want to, you know, rock the merchandise and, and just be a part of this movement. You know, something that I, I take high responsibility in. And that's why, like I said uh, on uh, Monday, it was so important for me to come out and, and deliver a quality episode, even though it, was, it wasn't it was on our scheduled timing. But, you know, to still come back to regularly scheduled programming on a Friday night in the biggest time of March, in March Madness. Um, you know, I'm just happy for those that, you know, want to come and spend a little time with me here. But, you know, getting right into it. You know, this March Madness, this tournament has been absolutely phenomenal to watch. Um, the first, I tell you what, you know, just to have the amount of support in the eighth annual bracket challenge, we had over 20, we had 21 people, 21 participants to make for a nice size pot. You know, I'm really excited about that. And, you know, I look forward to it each and every year. And I think that the one thing that's different as far as, you know, being able to watch these events and, you know, growing up, it's almost like the excitement of organizing and putting together the side tournament that I like to do. And it, and it just really speaks to, you know, not only just with organizing this podcast every single week, but I truly enjoy, you know, providing a platform of entertainment for people, whether it be on this podcast or just creating a bracket challenge. You know, I love, you know, hearing my mom text me and saying, oh man, um, you know, I, I moved up a couple spots or, you know, hearing my pop saying, oh, did you have, you know, Michigan in this this uh, this matchup? So, you know, not only is it a chance to, you know, reach out with, you know, the fans and reach out with some of my family members, too. But, you know, ultimately, you always want to get the money, too, man. And to say we're paying out 250 to first place in that bracket challenge. You know, it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to, I'm sure, the people that are in that bracket challenge, because I tell you what, the competition has been fierce. My sister's boyfriend is in first place right now, and, you know, who would have thought that, oh, we got Admiral, he said Admiral in the lead again, I know he's in the top three, he's in the money as well, um, you know, like I said, to see the, the standings fluctuate with each matchup, and I don't think anybody would have thought that Kentucky or Iowa would be out in the first round. I mean, I had Kentucky going all the way up until my championship game. I know, stupid me. Say told me I've been worrying about hats too much, and I haven't been watching my college basketball. So, you know, he's always got to slide some funny shit in there, but I appreciate him for that. But, um, you know, like I said, you know, those upsets with Kentucky – and Iowa, you know, those were things that we didn't really see. And especially from St. Peter's to beat a Kentucky, which is such a major program playing in the SEC and, you know, having the, the Hall of Fame to be John Calipari as their coach. You know, they were overcoming so much. But like I've said in previous episodes before around March Madness time, guys, 
it is less and less unbelievable to see these, you know, lower mid-major teams. I hate hear, I hate that that term mid-major, but let's say lower attended schools that are coming out and be, beating big teams, man. It's it's less and less, you know, a, a surprise and more and more common because what we've seen is, you know, all across the board whether they're getting guys from overseas or just growing these guys up on the farms, man, and just just straight basketball heads. You know, the overall talent of basketball has spread to not only just the major conferences, and, you know, that's why when it comes down to matchup-wise, you gotta, gotta look and see, you know, how many tournament wins has this team had uh, previously? How many times have they been to the tournament? You know, what was their RPI? You know, those are a lot of things that we take into account, you know, when you're picking these matchups. We got Tim who says, don't forget, let me forget next my hat next week at bowling. Yo, big shout out to my boy Tim Sakura. You know, I was able to help him out. But, you know, one thing about, you know, the college basketball, what we've seen where we have Admiral says that UConn killed him, you know, it, it sucks because those brackets can, re- you know, those teams can really, you know, bust your bracket. But one bracket that's always been busted for me has been the Knicks in the playoffs, man. And, you know, last year we got a taste of something that we wanted more of. And I thought that the Knicks would make the turnaround this season. But, you know, I think that what we've seen here with 12 games left, I know I'm still going to the game on Sunday, hopefully to see Donovan Mitchell in the guard. And hopefully all is well, no injuries or they don't sit anybody out. But, you know, what we've seen is is that the Knicks were a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And and from there to see them fall to now, you're barely, barely even a 10th seed, 11th seed. I don't even think they're in the play-in conversation. I think last time I checked, like, five, five and a half games out with 12 games left. So I think that, you know, when you already have, you know, the team execs and, you know, people around New York that are saying, hey, you know, we're shifting more towards a development than actually making the play-in tournament. And, you know, that sucks. I got my boy Richard uh, Peanut Multi. Shout out to Big Mo. Um, he says that we're winning right now. And that that's good. You know, I hope that they do get, you know, wins. And I, I heard somebody ask me, you know, are they still in it? And, you know, I, and when you're in New York, you're always in it. Nobody's ever going to say, you know what, we don't got a fucking chance. You know, that's not going to happen when you're a New York Knicks fan or a New York fan. Like, even on my deathbed, I'll still say the Knicks might win in the next couple years. But, you know, the thing is, you know, you got to be realistic. And, and the way this team is played, um, you know, they have made strides in the right direction. But, you know, when they closed out that road trip and let, I think, three or four close games uh slip out of their hands whether the buzzer beater from the suns and then just blown leads i think they had blown like two or three straight 20 point leads you know that kind of set the tone for the rest of the season i feel like you know as much as i hate to say it you know some of that team has packed it in man and you know when you look towards it you know and we say what went wrong you know like i said before it's easy to blame julius Randle. it's easy to say hey you know, this guy wasn't playing at an MVP level and he wasn't making the clutch shots that he made last season. And, you know, you could be right in saying that. But honestly, you know, Julius Randle is not the sole person to blame in this abomination that we call the season. Um, I think the biggest thing that you got to go to is that general manager and that president who gave Julius Randle this contract extension even before last season was over. And we saw what he did in the playoffs. And now we've, we've seen he's done this season. 
Also, you got to blame the GM and the team president for saying, hey, they went out and after, you know, a, t- a, a season where you go fourth seed and you're a first round exit, your main priority, I need to make this team better to make a push. And what we saw was for in the offseason, you know, an addition of an Evan Fournier, a, a broken up Kemba Walker, you know, re-signing a lot of these, you know, older guys, veterans that didn't really pan out. And I got to shout out my boy Abe because he also said about how Tom Thibodeau justifiably show should be on the hot seat because what we saw from him was a lack of adjustments. It took him forever just to try and play um, the guy Cam Reddish who came over from the Hawks, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know, um, some of the things that he's done this season have been mind boggling and just a lack of, you know, forcefully trying to make um, adjustments. I know we said it in the NCAA tournament earlier where it's like, you know, if you don't make that adjustment to switch from a zone or if you can't, you know, stop a guy for five, ten minutes, that's your tournament life. And here what we saw from the Knicks is, you know, they haven't switched up from their losing efforts. What have they not done? They have not gotten better as a rebounding team. Defensively, there's still major holes. And the offense is good for spurts. So, again, these major issues that kind of were heightened – at Game 5, Game 4, you know, Game two, uh, 3 of the uh, Eastern Conference quarters or whatever you want to call them, first round with um, the Hawks. You know, those same things have been exemplified throughout this season, and there's no one to blame but the players within that locker room, the GM, the entire organization. You know, it, it's, it's a shame because in no way, shape, or form should you be in a, a high position or you're – on the cornerstone of taking the next step. You look at what the Suns did. The Suns were a bubble team. They were on the bubble and didn't make the playoffs. And they turned around, retooled, made the right decisions executive-wise to get people in place to not only draft guys that were ready to to, uh, to start now, but also to put complementary players around to Chris Paul and, and around to Devin Booker to then take them from a bubble team to then going to the NBA Finals. And here what we've seen from the Knicks is they've taken a step, but then taken like five steps back, man, which is super frustrating. But I could talk about how frustrated I am with the Knicks all day. But I'd rather talk about something that I really, really love. And that's Fitted Hats. You guys know how I am with the Cat Master B account. You know, I've really been doing my thing in the hat game. But I wanted to show you guys some some dope pickups I know uh, the drop that we have tomorrow at Hat Club. You know, they got the extra aux packs. You know I'll be going for my two Mets. I think the Lost Boys album and then also a De La Soul-inspired hat, which are definitely on my radar from Hat Club. But I do have some pickups that I was able to get um, over this past couple, well, over this past week. Um, I'm going to show these two for my fitted first because that's where we'll be tomorrow morning. Hopefully, going to score on some of these um, laser glow pack hats. Um, also, that corduroy I know a lot of people are hype about. But I know you saw me with it last week. I'll show you again. This is the Bisons that will be dropping tomorrow. Um, as you can see, it's got that highlighter laser effect, that which you have it in the black light. It's absolutely fire. And here we have the, what's this, the 2012 All-Star Game patch on the side. And like I said, the minor league fitteds, what we've seen from um, 
you know, my fitteds is that they've done a really good job of trying to put out, you know, minor league fitteds because, you know, I know for me, I was a huge fan of minor league fitteds and then Say would always get on like, yo, those are still black nasties, you know? So, you know, to see that they're putting colored under visor customs with side patches, you know, that's really dope, man. Um, another one here that we have is going to be the, um, my, this is a my fitteds Mets hat, but this is modeled after the Nathan's hot dog. This one's a fire two-tone. And what we've seen, shout out to my boy Kenny Lou because he was huge on, you know, everybody trying to get down with the two-tones. You know, my boy Say's been on the two-tones for, you know, quite some time. But, yo, there's just something that hits a little bit different about these. And here we got the red undervisor that really pops it off. And the two stars in the back like the Nathan's hot dog instead of the batterman. The attention to detail on this one is fire. This will be dropping tomorrow, but... Couple of these, these next three, these are ones that I was really hyped to pick up, but they're not exactly your coming from your typical hat club or my fitted store. You know, this one right here, big shout out to my boy Koo. You know, I'm nicknaming this the true Captain Planet because I happen to like this one better than the hat club version that dropped, I think, uh, last year or so. But um, this one, it has the gray, kind of grayish uh, inserts. And then we have the uh, 1964 All-Star Game patch. This is from the Shea Stadium World's Fair patch. You know, definitely one that's been getting a lot of use. And also with the teal undervisor. And one thing that if you if you don't know Koo, you wouldn't know this. But, you know, he said he's from New Mexico. And, you know, in that Aztecan era, you know, they like he wanted to take some of those colors and try and do something different with it. So, you know, this one came out really dope. And I will say... There is a Navy one that he has coming out very soon. Hopefully, I'll try and get you guys some early clip footage of that, too. But, yo, that one is going to be pure panic. And then I got a shout-out again. I've been giving a lot of shout-outs today. Big shout-out to my boy, Savion Gaynor, because he actually sent me the message. He was like, yo, check out all the right. They got an uh, exclusive drop happening Thursday. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit him up. You know, I liked uh, a hat that I got him for him previously. But it's not exactly on everybody's radar. But this one is panic, guys. Here we got the Wilson tennis ball. This hat is a two-tone model after a Wilson tennis ball. We got the green on the blue two-tone here. Uh, highlighter eyelids. But the big thing here, I know we've seen it with Yote in the past. Um, but we got the highlighter under visor here. And when you put this all together with a Queen's World background, Instead of the um, the batterman in the back, like I said, the details on this one is crazy. Already had somebody offer me a pretty penny for this, and I had to say, you know what? Nah, I'm a true collector. I can't sell my Mets hat, but yo, this one with the Shea Stadium patch, you know, absolutely fuego, man. And then chugging a lot at the end, you know, giving uh people a run for their money. I gotta say, big shout out to Lids. You know, Lids was the laughing stock, you know, pandemic and pre-pandemic. But um, it, it's pretty crazy here to say that we have the banana split from Lids. They've been applying pressure, guys. We got the two-tone here with the Mets secondary front logo. We got, again, the World's Fair patch on the side here. And then the red undervisor like we had saw earlier in the post, man. But... Yo, this banana split, guys, shout out Kenny, uh, Lenny. Lenny is the one who, uh, Lenny G, big shout out to him who I bowl with. 
he put me on to this one. He was like, yo, you got to check out that banana split from Lids. And I'm so glad that I did, man. But, you know, it's so important I talk again about, you know, networking and, you know, the opportunities that can come from, you know, not just hats, but, you know, just in general with things that you trade and, you know, put together. And I think that when you ultimately put things together, you know, a lot of people things stop with purchasing a good things stop with, you know, exchanging one item for another. And I think that what people miss out is the opportunity to build relationships through exchanging goods and exchanging items. And, you know, what I've seen is, you know, again, I talked earlier about ECAP city and again, you know, like my boy, uh, Kenny Lou and just establishing relationships with those guys. But, you know, what we've seen is, you know, for me and him being able to, you know, build a brand and then, have a table at one of the biggest hat cons in um you know in recent history or to date and then to have our network and create opportunities to have uh you know something really big i i can't i can't say it i know me and kenny he'll kill me if i say it but you know just know that if you come to that booth uh at hat con on may 14th you're going to be in for a very very big surprise and like I said, that big surprise would not be uh, made possible without the networking and without the relationship building that goes on behind the scenes. Because things, people sometimes feel like things should just come right to you. They're like, hey, how come he got that, but I can't? But realistically, when you look down at it, you know, if you have put in the work, if you've put in the time, the effort and done something without asking for something in return, you know, I think that's when dividends come to you and, um, you know, the success will keep rolling in, man. So, you know, don't be afraid to network and don't be afraid to do something without asking for something because you never know what will be at the end of your good deed. And then, you know, finally, before I head off the show here, you know, I know people have been asking me, flooding my DMs about, you know, the recent NFL trades that have went down. I'm just going to go real quick through them, and I'm going to give you guys my first impression on what I think about some of these big-time moves that have happened in the offseason. And first and foremost, we got to start off with Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. I think nobody really thought that, you know, Russell Wilson would go to the AFC. He doesn't really strike you as an AFC quarterback, right? I mean... It's kind of hard to see him in anything other than that Seahawks, you know, Midnight Green or whatever it is that you want to call it. But, um, you know, I know my boy Mo is huge, huge fan of the Broncos, and he's happy to have Russell Wilson on his team. But, um, you know, I think that Russell Wilson definitely makes this team a little bit better. But, you know, what we've seen, too, is, you know, with them giving up Noah Fant, you know, we're going to have to see some weapons get put around Russell Wilson. You know, it's going to be, you know, John Elway's done a great job in the past of kind of tooling teams together. I know, you know, he did a great job of surrounding Peyton Manning with some talent in his few years in Denver. So let's just see what they do in the offseason. You know, I think that, you know, with the moves that have been made around the AFC West, you know, it's going to be very important for the Broncos to get better because if they don't, you know, they could find themselves at the end of a loaded AFC West very quickly. Um, the next move that I definitely got to talk about that not a lot of people are talking about is Von Miller to the Bills. I mean, the Bills already have a scary defense as it is, and they were, what, a coin flip away from beating my Chiefs in the playoffs? You know, I know that that playoff game isn't reflective of the defense that they have because Chiefs offense is, you know, out of this world. But 
what the Bills get in a pass rusher in Von Miller is just somebody that's going to really, you know, be a workhorse, be someone that's going to be a leader in the locker room. So many people don't realize just how much leadership is important in the game of football. And everywhere that Von Miller has went, we've heard nothing but outstanding things about this guy. And when you talk about a culture that for the last couple of years, you know, in in Buffalo, you know, they've really just been trying to find that identity or, you know, you know, go around Josh Allen and that grit that he brings each and every week to the football field. But, you know, it, he's kind of growing into that leadership. So to have someone else that's a bona fide leader, a Super Bowl champion, and can bring immediate accountability to the defensive side of the ball for the Bills, you know, I think that that makes them scary. And, you know, who's going to really want to go play the Bills and, and try and run for your life and, and throw against that defense, right? But, we also got to talk about Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. And we kind of saw that this writing was on the wall when Baker Mayfield made his goodbye to the Cleveland faithful, said he got, he gave everything he had to the franchise. But really, what did he give them? You know, it sucks because, you know, he did give them commercials. I'm sure we weren't going to see any more State Farm commercials anytime soon um, from Baker. But... You know, it, it's it, this move is definitely huge. I think that with you know Deshaun Watson getting himself vindicated, the first and foremost prior you know thing that anybody should do is get someone with Deshaun Watson and tell him to stay out of the massage parlor. We don't need anything else coming back on this guy. Um, I think that too often when guys kind of get out of the trouble or dig themselves out of the mud or get themselves out of a bad situation, they tend to go right back in it. So, you know, if those people, those, you know, trusted people around Deshaun Watson, keep his mind focused on the game of football and out of, you know, any type of massage parlors or anything, any collusion that could happen to get him to miss any more time, right? But I think that with him already going to be missing some substantial time, it's going to take us a while to see the effect of, you know, Deshaun Watson actually being in Cleveland and what it could do for that team. But, you know, what we saw is when he had success in in uh, Houston, he was able to throw the ball downfield. And with a good rushing attack, you had to honor, you know, whether he was going to hand that ball off or you got to put a QB spy on him. So, you know, instantly this makes the Browns offense a lot better, but, you know, we're going to have to see. I know they released Jarvis Landry, and it's another situation where we got to see what kind of talent is put, you know, out there with him. And then also, two big ones, two big receivers to end this uh, the segment, but we got Devontae Adams, who's going to the Raiders in the AFC West. I mean, how bad do you feel for, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who signs this big, huge contract to go back to the Packers when all he's been demanding for has been some help? And then, you know, he goes, you know, your biggest help, your 1,000-yard receiver, that savior to save your team, he gets shipped off to the West Coast over to Oakland, man. I mean, to Las Vegas. And it's going to be tough. You know, I, I know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is does Aaron Rodgers things. He's going to be able to take this team and, and make them better without Devontae. But, damn it, when you lose Devontae Adams, man, that, that is your security blanket, the security blanket that's been for him for – you know, so many years, you know, and you know, I think that it's going to be difficult, especially with uh, Derek Carr, because now 
He has absolutely zero excuses. If you can't take the Raiders to the playoffs and take them to a first-round win without Devontae Adams and your defense has gotten way better over the offseason and you already have a 1,000-yard receiver in Hunter Renfro and you're going to have a healthy Darren Waller come back, Derek Carr better have no fucking excuses as to why he can't take that Raider team far into the playoffs because Devontae Adams makes them substantially better. And the one thing that I have to say that I was I, I was happy a little bit about, you know, I'm happy that the Chiefs did sign Juju. Do I think we pay a little bit too much for him? Absolutely. You know, $10 million, I thought, for a guy who didn't play a full season – you know, didn't really, you know, I don't think he truly earned that $10 million deal. But we've seen sometimes that a change of scenery can do so much for somebody. And, you know, I, I you know, I think that, you know, the Chiefs execs or whoever's in that front office, they've done a good job of putting weapons around Patrick Mahomes, drafting weapons around Patrick Mahomes. So if you can, you know, shed a, a quick little 10 mil to somebody that could substantially help out for just one year and say he doesn't do well, ship him off, dump him. It's whatever. You know, I think that these one-year deals are great, you know, in any sports world, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, you're on a one-year deal. You're a higher gun, man. You know, you you are you are expendable. And sometimes when you are deemed expendable, you know, the best production comes out, you know, whether it be for them or to get to your next uh, destination afterwards. So, you know, these, these kind of trades and free agency signings have definitely shooken up the NFL. But we're just going to have to see, you know, as the games are being played and as we get into training camp, just what these connections will do for their new teams. And in closing, you know, we're going to keep it humble here. I know sometimes, you know, we have the great beer reviews, but today I'm going to review a beer that I don't normally drink. And this is a domestic beer that some people very do swear by. And when I'm in the bowling alley, I see some people that do rock it. But today we're going to go with the Miller Lite, all right? Now, most times, like I said, we come out with some IPAs, but it's very important to also humble yourself as well, too. And I'm never above drinking a domestic beer. And I know I've said it before, but, you know, you got to you gotta entice yourself with uh, humble beginnings. So here we go. I'm going to tell you guys how I think this is compared to the normal Budweiser that I drink at, at uh, bowling. So let's see what this Miller Lite's hitting for. Mmm. A lot different from when I remember drinking it back in college. We already have my boy um, <laughs> Lou Garrett that says, yuck, shaking my head. Well, you know what, Lou? Sometimes you just got to do what it do. You got to roll with the punches, E Ching. And right now, the Miller Lite is what we got. And what I will say is this, it does remind me of going golfing soon. You know, I know a lot of times when, when the cart girl comes around, you know, she doesn't really have the the exotic beers to try from. And a lot of times you'll have Miller Lite or, um, you know, Amstel or some other beer to choose from. And this beer, this sip right here of Miller Lite, it brings me to the good weather that we've actually been having. The weather was beautiful today. I didn't, I had shorts on without a jacket. 
And it's just that precursor of, you know, spring is on the way and we should get back to golf season very, very soon to where the balls aren't plugged in the ground. Uh, we got my boy Lou who says Stella is my go-to domestic. That is definitely a good domestic beer, man. And, you know, I think that that is one of my go-tos. When I was at the family party not too long ago, I had one too many of uh, those Stellas, man. But, you know, if you're looking for a domestic that I still wouldn't put this over Budweiser, but... You know, the Miller Lite, it serves its job, man. It is not bad. It is not bad, and I will have some more. Yep, man, it's it's always good to, you know, tr go back to the roots, man. You know, my pop said Coors Light is his choice when he goes to domestics. Um, you know, it's it's always important to do what you like. I know we have Bones. Bones Brennan, big shout out to him. He's made a big, you know, big time phrase of buy what you like. And at the end of the day, you know, you just got to drink what you like to drink. And you got to buy what you like to buy, man. Um, this this podcast, you know, it represents my unfiltered thoughts, my unfiltered emotions, and, and just the things that are on my mind, man. And, you know, I'd be, uh, I'd be lying to you all if I'm out here every week saying, like, I don't drink domestic beers. There, If you catch me at the bowling alley, you, know, you will see me with a Budweiser, man. And I, right. Yeah, so I tell you what, you know, it, with with your money allocated to many different places, you know, me pri prioritizing self-investment, sometimes you just got to drink a Miller Lite. We got my boy Mo says Bud Light Platinum for the win. Oh, my gosh, dude, so many times on the Bud Light. I remember when it first came out and they had, um, I think it was like the, the bottle. It was like a kind of like the aluminum bottle can or whatever you want to call it. It was one of the very first ones. And, yo, that Bud Light Platinum, at first you're like, well, how does this have so much alcohol content? But if you drink a couple Bud Light Platinums, I promise you, you're going to find yourself on a way to a blackout. My boy Captain Garrett says, I've gotten trashed with the Platinums. <laughs> For sure, man. But like Jeffrey also said, this is also a baseball beer. You know, when you go out to baseball games, you're going to see yourself drinking some domestics, man. And with baseball season back, I'm excited. And hopefully, you know, we can go to a game at City Field and catch a, uh, catch a game catch some Mets, see a win, and hopefully have a nice beer, whether it be a domestic or an IPA. I don't care. I'm just going to be happy to be outside and, you know, just seeing the Mets. I think the last time we went to a game, me, Ishabod Crane, and my brother, we saw the Mets get absolutely clobbered, you know. <laughs> they got clobbered, man. I hope the next time we see him, it's not a 16-2 to game, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I'm happy that baseball is coming back. And, you know, also one thing I do want to say before I hop off the air, this is a big time shout out to my DIY family, my do-it-yourself fam. Uh, if you check the UBA Today charts, we are ranked 36 in the country. We just cracked the top 50 with over 200-something teams in the UBA. I tell you what, man. A lot of people, like I said, a lot of teams, they've went on YouTube, they've went on different shows, they're talking about, oh, they're, uh, you know, they're a bunch of rookies, we're in the toughest division, what are we doing here? And here we are, we just keep knocking down door after door, and to see us in third place in the division, in a playoff spot, in the toughest division in the country in bowling, 
You know, to have people, you know, I remember the times where, you know, you'd wear your DIY jersey. People are like, who the fuck are you? You know, there'd be no respect, you know, no types of, oh, who, who those guys, you know. But the thing is, again, we've kind of banded behind, you know, this idea of we are a bunch of nobodies. We don't have no 250 bowlers on the team. We don't got no superstars. We're doing it blue collar, Memphis Grizzly grindhouse old school ways, man, where, you know, you got to come in there and take it from us and, I tell you what, man, to be a part of a team that is now nationally ranked and have a, a, a huge part in being and getting us to that point, you know, I just thank everybody on my DIY fam, and, and I'm so happy to continue to compete at a high level for this team, and, you know, the sky's the limit for us, man. Let's close out this season strong. You know, love every single one of you guys on the Talk That Talk show. Before we end this show, I got to give a big-time shout-out to everybody here. Uh, that's my sponsor. Got to give a shout out to my boy Savion Gaynor uh, from Skydive Socks. He was here on our Instagram live. Big shout out to Jeff over at Air We Are. Jeff Galata, big shout out to him. Also, Joe Snow Maria over at New York Life, helping people to get their financial freedom every single day. And then uh, finally, a big time shout out to my boy Timmy Hugel over at Ink Parlor. You know, he's been absolutely killing it. You know, when it comes down to people embracing the message of self-investment and, and building on your craft and trying to get better, you know, Tim has really embodied that as one of my sponsors. And I just thank him so much for the work that he continues to do to build his own brand and also to build mine as well, too. Um, this is the Talk That Talk show. You see me on with the OG 14. You know, we sold out the OG 15s. You know, he was a big part of, you know, making a high-quality product for me and just really taking my designs and my thoughts and just putting them into motion, man. I think it's so important. You know, I think that in my last tidbit to you guys before I get off the air, but, you know, just try and carry a pen and paper around with you because there's times where I have a great idea and I'll just write it down. It might not mean anything to me now, but, you know, down the line, you know, you never know what happens. Something could be happening to you and you forget to do something and you might lose that idea. And ideas are worth a lot if you put some motion to them. So, you know, just carry a notebook and pen around. And anytime you feel some type of creativity or that type of knowledge just surge through your body, just write it down, man, because you never know when you're going to need it. And that's, ha and that's helped me plenty of times with certain designs and with certain ideas and formulating different ways that I want to go about things. So, you know, put it down on paper and see what you get, and uh, that should help you. But, you know, that's my last piece of advice to you all. I got to get back to this NCAA tournament. I got to get out of the doldrums because my bracket looks like absolute dog shit. But that's why they have, you know, a couple rounds of the tournament to kind of make some of that time back and make some of those points back. And, you know, let's see what happens. Thank you to everybody that joined into my eighth annual bracket challenge. Thank you to everybody that continues to subscribe on our YouTube. We're at over 100 subscribers now on YouTube. Big shout out to everybody that's been a part. If you don't subscribe or haven't, Go on our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Um, you can always check out all the newest stuff that's happening, whether it be you know listening to the episodes, watching them with the video, uh, checking out different pictures of people posted in their uh, merchandise. And then who knows, maybe soon you might come up and see a, a, a tab for the shop. You know, who knows? But, you know, we need your support. I need you to keep, you know, coming into the and checking it in on the podcast, going to the website and just supporting overall, man, because at the end of the day, it's not me. 
you know i literally put together this episode for you all and just try to give you you know high quality content give you something to think about but it's on you guys you know to continuous me puts push this episode through and you know tell your friends tell people check out the website you know subscribe in it's on you to see how far this podcast goes because you can always depend on me to give you all another episode of this talk that talk show see you next week for episode 150 i love you all and keep talking that talk